be seated. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew 4 and verse 17. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, if you would. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Um, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Notice that the first message that Jesus preached was a message of repentance. Did you ever think about that? A message of repentance. The first message that Jesus preached was that of repentance. And actually, John the Baptist, right before him, who was Jesus' forerunner, the first message he preached was repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's interesting that as the New Testament opens up, we see the preaching of John the Baptist and then, of course, the preaching of the Lord Jesus being that of repentance. Now, what is repentance? It is a turning away from that which is sinful. A turning away from that which is sinful. So we're going to title the message here this morning, You Turn. You Turn. And that's what repentance is all about. It's, it's you and I turning from that which is sinful to that which is right. Now notice in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1, Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 1, very, very interesting scripture. I wish more attention was paid to this scripture than what gets paid to it. Uh, Notice this, Hebrews 6 verse 1, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on to perfection or maturity. Now watch this, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God. Notice here that repentance must be present before faith can be active. Repentance must be present before faith can be active. Repentance must precede faith. Let's say it that way. Uh, so many times we will approach the sinner and encourage them to have faith in Jesus. But that message is without power if it's not preceded by calling the sinner first to repentance. Did you hear what did you hear what I just said? Well, just believe on the Lord Jesus. Well, that won't get anybody saved if they don't do it with a heart of repentance. Did, did you hear what I just said? And 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 that's why this message of, well, just believe on the Lord Jesus is such a dangerous thing is because if it's not preceded with repentance, then there's no power in that faith. Repentance is a must. It's a, it's a prerequisite for faith to be active. What is repentance? It's a turning away from that which is sinful. Do you ever think about in, and you don't have to turn there, but in Luke the 16th chapter, remember Jesus talked about that man that went to hell. Remember that? And remember that man had five brothers back up on the earth? And remember he cried out in, in the torment of the flame across that great gulf. He cried out to Abraham and he said, he send, he said send Lazarus back to my brothers. For if one rose from the dead... They will, remember what he said? They will, how many of you remember what he said? Does anybody remember? Alright, then we're going to just take our time, go to Luke the 16th chapter. Turn over there. Find out where he talks about, huh? Is it on the screen already? It's already there. Boy, that's quick. No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will what? Now, this man's in hell that's crying this out. He knows what, what these guys need to do back up on the earth 
to miss hell. He ought to know he's there. I said, he ought to know he's there. They will what? They'll what? They'll repent. Repent. What does repent mean? It means to turn. To turn from the, the, the sinful. See, believing is very lame and very shallow if it's not accompanied by what? Repentance. Did you hear me? Got some interesting things to say to you today. You need to listen. Because what we're talking about today will really, it'll set, it'll set you free. It really will. Set, set anybody free that'll hear this and take it to heart. Notice, back in Hebrews 6.1, repentance from dead works and then of what? Then faith toward God. I'm not minimizing believing now. I'm not minimizing faith in God. I'm not minimizing that. I'm just saying that, that, that faith, if it's not preceded by what? Repentance is meaningless. Last Sunday I spoke about the urgency for America to repent or face God's impending judgment. Remember that? How many remembers that? Do you remember it? See, people want to think, well, America is just so blessed. Well, how can you kill millions and millions of babies in abortion and be blessed? Huh? Wouldn't you say there needs to be a repentance in, the, in this land from that, a turning away from that? Huh? You know, so many embracing homosexuality. That's one of the things you see in societies right before they fall is, em- is an embracing of homosexuality. You see that in this land, don't you? There's need for repentance, isn't there? And America is facing God's impending judgment. America needs to repent. Or face impending judgment. You know, it's, it's interesting in, in the, the, the book of Jonah. It's interesting. Jonah went in there and he preached to Nineveh and he said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. Remember that? And, and they repented from the king to the cattle. Is that right? And if you read that, it, it, it says that it, 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 it doesn't say that God, that God saw that they believed. Now, it's clear that they did. But do you know what really struck God as you read that? What really got his attention is that they turned from their evil ways. I'm not minimizing believing, but but you see, if you're really believing, there's going to be... There's going to be some, some, some action that, that goes along with that. Repentance. Real loud say repentance. 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 And that's what got Nineveh off the hook, if you will, of God's judgment was that they actually, they turned in their works. They turned away from their evil ways. I believe repentance must begin with the house of God. With local church members. And that would have a profound effect on America. See, when we talk about repentance for America, we always are thinking about out there somewhere. Somewhere out there. Remember that song? Somewhere out there. Somewhere out there, somebody needs to repent. Is that right? But you know, that's just kind of a a really lame thing. And I've been guilty of that. Well, America needs to repent. What does that mean? Well, somebody out there needs to repent. But you know what? In order to really be powerful and to get America to change, it has to start with you and with me. Did you hear me? It has to start with all of us. Right where we are, we all need to examine ourselves and see what areas of our lives may be sinful and repent and let let the repentance of America begin with us. Remember 2 Chronicles 7.14? 
Remember 2 Chronicles 7.14? says if, and they'll probably already have it on the screen, 2 Chronicles 7.14, if my people who are called by my name. Notice my people. Not talking about the sinners there, to my people. Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and what? And what? And what? And what? And 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 what? And... Turn. See, the humbling and the praying and the seeking the face is all good, but it's powerless unless there's what? Uh, the and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven. See, without the turning, the rest of it is it, it's good, but it's powerless. And turn from their wicked way. Then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin. And heal their land. But notice it has. Where does it start? It starts with God's people doesn't it? If my people. You see like the weather. Y'all are cognizant of the weather here lately. Like the weather. Politics is local isn't it? Isn't all weather local? Huh? I mean do you understand what I mean by that? All weather is local. Politics is local. So if local church members would repent. What a great effect it would make on America, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? You see, so many times I've watched Christians pray for repentance and a great move of God in America, yet that Christian who's doing the praying are regularly practicing sin themselves. Again, we talked about homosexuality a moment ago and, and abortion. But you know what? Uh, one of the worst sins I've seen among Christians over the last 20 some odd years is gossiping and backbiting and a holier than thou attitude and a we've got it all figured out attitude. Now, there's no humility in a holier than thou attitude, is there? Or we've got it all figured out or we're better than the other guy attitude. You see, if we want to see the United States changed, it starts in the local pulpit with the local Christian examining themselves, repenting of anything that needs to be repented of. And living a holy life and then, of course, going to the voting booth and voting in line with the word of God. In the process of time, things could be changed. Now, repentance is certainly, repentance is certainly a message to sinners, all right. But did you know repentance is also a message to Christians? As seen in Jesus' message, message to the seven churches of the book of Revelation. Turn over to Revelation, the, ch- the second chapter. You see, we think about sinners needing to repent, and that's certainly true. But one of God's main messages to the church is that of repentance. Now, as you go over to the book of Revelation, chapter 2, there were there's seven churches there. Now, it's interesting, in two of those churches, Jesus made no call for repentance at all. Now, in five of them, he did. But in two of them, he didn't. It's interesting, in the two that he didn't talk about repentance, the one of them is, uh, it was the church in Smyrna. It was known as the persecuted church. And there's a scripture in the Bible that says, it's in 2 Timothy, it says, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So this persecuted church, we could make the argument and say, well, you had a group of people there in that church who all desired to live godly. So if you got a group of people and they all desire to live godly, there would be no reason for Jesus to call for repentance, would there? And then there's another church where he didn't call for repentance. It was the church in Philadelphia. Now, Philadelphia, that church was known as the church of brotherly love. And did you know that if all the people who attended a, ch- a local church were all wor- walking in brotherly love, the love of God, there would be no reason for repentance, would there? But in five of the seven churches, Jesus called 
for repentance. Now, as you look at these five churches where he called for repentance, there were a lot of good things going on in some of these churches. There were a lot of good things going on in some of these churches, and Jesus commended them for the good. You know, Jesus, he always looks for the good. He commends the good. Aren't you glad he's that way? I'm I'm so glad he's that way. But then if there's something not right, then he points it out and he gives time to repent. And if, if there is no repentance, then in the process of time, then judgment will come, you see. And, uh, and what I want to do here for the next few minutes is I just want to quickly look at each of these five churches. And I want to look at the areas in these five churches where the Christians there needed to repent. And it's interesting that that a lot of these areas are significant to us today because you see Christians some 2,000 years later still messing up in these same areas. If we want to have power in our church, if we want to have power in our nation, uh, there has to be a U-turn and that U-turn begins with you and me examining ourselves, repenting and, and getting our lives right with the Lord and, uh, and, then, and then there's hope you see. So let's look here at Revelation 2, verse 4, the church in Ephesus. What did he call for repentance for in Ephesus? Look at chapter 2 here, verse 4. He says, nevertheless, I have this against you that you've left, you've left, you've left who? Your what? Your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen and what? And repent. Now he's talking to the church here. He's talking to saved people here. He says, remember from where you've fallen and repent and do the what? Do the first works or else. You you don't want the Lord saying or else to you. That means there's judgment coming if you don't repent. Or else I'll come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you what? Repent. Repent. He's looking for repentance. Now, there's two things here that that he found that they needed to repent in. Two areas. The first one is that they'd left their first love. Who is our first love? Jesus. And it's clear to me that they were not spending time with Jesus. And they were not as fervent about their time with Jesus as they needed to be. Now this church was full of good works. If you read up above, they had a lot of good going on there. But you know, good works are really... Good works, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, good works, uh, it it turns into a mechanical lifestyle. It turns into a a lifestyle that will wear you out. It will turn into a lifestyle of vain religion if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Can you say amen to that? If you don't have a fervency for Jesus, coming to church, that's a good thing. But it can become mundane and dull and boring if you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I'm not talking about the saved relationship now. He's talking to people that are saved. It's just that, that they've lost their first love. They've lost their fervency for Jesus. They're, they're not as in love with him as they once were. They're not as excited about him as they once were. They're not as thrilled with him as they once were. And so coming to church or working in the church or serving, you can do all that. That's wonderful. But it becomes mechanical. It becomes mundane. It becomes boring. And if that's the case... What does it mean? It means, say repent. Repent. You turn. Make a U-turn. Get, get your fervency back for the Lord, you see. It can be done. If it couldn't be done, he wouldn't have told them to repent. How many of you want to be fervent for Jesus? Oh, yeah. And then the second thing he talks about here is he said, uh, do the first works. Well, really, what's the first work that needs to be done as Christians to tell people about Jesus. Exactly right. And so this church was full of good works, but I think that, that in the process of time, they got so excited perhaps about all the good works that were going on that they stopped reaching out to the lost. See, a lot of people think, well, the pastor and the church ought to reach out to the lost. Well, that's true. The pastor should, but who's the church? They say the church is me. So I'm talking about on your everyday life, wherever it is you go, you ought to always be looking for avenues and ways to share Jesus with somebody. Is that right? Now, if you're not doing that, that means you're not doing the first works. You're not doing, this applies to me as well as you. 
Applies to all of us. See, but, but you know, they, they'd stopped becoming a people that were fervent to get the lost saved. I mean, we need to be fervent, all of us, about getting the lost saved. Is that right? Why is that? Because there's a hell beneath that we need to tell them about Jesus so they can escape. Is that right? Is that correct? And he told them to repent. And he said, repent or else I'll remove your lampstand. Well, if you study it out, he's talking about he, he, basically what he was saying. I'll put it in my own words. If you don't repent, I'm going to shut your church down. Did you know Jesus starts churches? Now, a lot of times men start churches because they're disgruntled and they don't like the way things are going. And so they'll go out and get a couple of people to follow them and they'll go start a church. How many of you know that, that those usually always fizzle out and it's always a problem? Always, how, how many of you know Jesus didn't start those churches? But churches that Jesus start, he can start them. And if he can start them, he can also what? Stop them and shut them down. And he warned this church. He said, I'll shut you down if you don't repent. And many, many years later, because you see, we often think that God's judgment's going to fall in a day or two. But you know, God can give you years and years, even decades. Did you know that? But eventually, you know what? He shut that church down. It's sobering, isn't it? Now then, look at chapter 2, verse 14. Let's look at this next church, the church in Pergamos. Chapter 2, verse 14. He says, I have a few things against you. Well, that's better than having a lot of things against them, but he said, I have a few things against you. Because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. So somebody says, well... What is the doctrine of Balaam? Well, he just told you what it was. Who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. What was going on in this church that Jesus wanted them to repent of? The first thing is, is they had people there who took pleasure in seeing other people stumble. Now, I don't mean like tripping over something that's laying on the ground. What, what, what he means is, is, that, is that they had people there that were real happy and excited when they found out that their fellow church member were having problems and weren't succeeding. Or they found out that a fellow church was struggling and having problems. And they, oh, oh. They'll say, well, isn't that sad? But down in their heart, how many of you know Jesus looks at the heart? And in their heart, they were really secretly rejoicing that Others were failing. How many of you know that we shouldn't rejoice when people fail? Is that right? We shouldn't rejoice if, 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 if a church across town struggles and has problems. We shouldn't rejoice in that. Is that right? Huh? If somebody leaves a church and they go to another church and all of a sudden they're, they're blessed, we should, we, you know, uh, uh, we should be glad they're blessed. Is that right? And if they go to another church and they stumble and start having problems, we shouldn't rejoice in that. I've already seen pastors where somebody has left their church and gone to another church and then they, 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 they got sick or whatever. And that pastor actually gloried in that and said, well, see, if they hadn't left my church, they wouldn't have gotten ill. You know, that's, that's wrong. Say that's wrong. That's wrong. I haven't seen, seen groups within churches where somebody leave a church, they'll go to another church, they'll fall on hard times, and they'll kind of have a little rejoicing party. See, if they hadn't left our group, they, they... And they rejoice in their stumbling. We shouldn't rejoice in other people's stumbling. If somebody stumbles, we ought to do what we can to help them. Amen? Amen. Is that right? Let's don't rejoice in other people's uh, shortcomings. How many of you want somebody to rejoice when you stumble? I want somebody there to help me. How about you? And then idolatry. What is that? They had it going on there. That's probably one of the biggest sins in this nation today is idolatry. What is idolatry? Putting anything ahead of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I could speak for 10 hours on that and, and, and not exhaust it. Probably the greatest sin in this nation is one of the greatest, if not the great, idolatry. Putting anything ahead of the Lord. Anything. Anything. 
And then sexual immorality. And you know as well as I do that this nation, by and large, has become very sexually immoral. And within churches that I know anything about in the land, there's a lot of this stuff going on. And we could talk about that for a while. That means Jesus didn't love these people? No, he loved them. He loved them enough to point these things out and ask them, tell them, not ask them, command them to what? To what? Repent. And then verse, and we could talk about all these and go on and on. But look at verse 15. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Say, what is that? Well, in, in my own words, it's this. Any group holding supremacy over another. Any group holding supremacy over another. Now, the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, actually what it was is the clergy or the, the, the ministers held themselves above the people. And the people were there to serve the, the minister. How many of you know the minister ought to be here to serve the people? Is that right? How many know Jesus is our example? He didn't come to be served, but to what? To serve. Is that right? But here in, in this church, the, the ministers set themselves up over the people as lords and masters, so to speak, and that you are there to serve me. Or to serve the minister. And Jesus said he hated that. Didn't he? And, and what I have seen in churches, see, uh, we're talking about getting the power of God back in this church, in, 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 uh, greater in this church than we've had it. And in this land, you know, we've got to look at these things. Clicks. How many of you know God don't like clicks? He don't like it. We've never had a great problem with that in this church. We've had some, I guess, along these lines over the years, but not to any great degree that I'm aware of. But uh, we always try to treat everybody equal. But uh, remember Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? How many of you remember him? How many of you know those other little reindeer? They weren't going to let Rudolph join in any of their reindeer games. Is that right? Did they have a click? And they weren't going to let Rudolph in. Is that right? Uh, you, you don't want any of these things in churches. Can you say amen to that? We treat everybody and we endeavor to treat everybody equal. Amen. Well, notice verse 16. Notice what he said to them in verse 16. He said what? Repent or else. Oh, oh my. I'll come to you quickly and will fight against you with the sword of my mouth. That's not good, is it? So, Pastor, what does all that mean? I don't know what all that means, but I know it isn't good. What's he telling the church to do? To repent. Did he tell them it's hopeless, give up and quit? No, he told them to what? Repent. Now let's go on here. Let's look at verse 2, chapter 2 here, verse 20. Chapter 2, verse 20. Let's look at the church in Thyatira. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. What two things do you see going on here? Sexual immorality and idolatry. That's going on in both the churches. This goes on in this land today within churches. Uh, sexual immorality. Uh, just one example is over the years, over the years we've had folks come, you know, and they were uh, uh, living together, a man and a woman. You know, they were living together. And they would attend a couple of services, and then they'd want to know if they could, could become members of the church. And I told them that they were welcome to attend the church, but that I wouldn't let them become church members until they either, one, got married, or two, they moved out and didn't live together anymore. And they needed to get a Stop living together immediately, and then we'll, we'll work on getting them married. What was I telling them they needed to do? They needed to repent. And to my knowledge, I don't think I've ever had a one follow through on that. They didn't like what I said. Now... We don't want to offend anybody, so let's go ahead and just perform the 
wedding ceremony, not the wedding ceremony, let's, let's go ahead and let them become church members rather. I'd have been glad to do the wedding ceremony in the process of time. But what if I'd have said, okay, you can just become a church member. Y'all can live together and become church members. Would I have been doing them a service or a disservice? The service. Because I wouldn't have been telling them the truth. Is that right? And, 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 and I mean, this society in which we, we live has become, this, here in the United States, it's become so sexually immoral. I mean, you can't even go into Walmart anymore and walk in Walmart and buy something without having sex right in front of you. Is that right? You can't even open the AOL or whatever it is without having half-naked women pop up in front of you. Now, is that right? Sexually immoral. And, and, and it's moved into the, into the, to the church. Uh, when I say the church, the churches that I know anything about, the one church advertised they were having a, I won't call their name, but, uh, you know, they advertised uh, they were having a, uh, a breakfast for the men. And uh, they wanted the men to come, and so they titled it Porn and Pancakes, right here in St. Louis. Now, I'm scratching my head on that one. Something, something, not, something not right there, is it? I'm just trying to show you that the sexual misconduct has, has, has you know, it, it's, it's, let me say it this way. It's probably been in the churches all along. It's just far more accepted now. Did you hear me? This last week, one of the CNN major commentators came out and said, he said, I'm gay, always have been, always will be, couldn't be happier. I won't call the man's name, but it's not hard to find out who it is. And you know what? There was a day some years ago where the nation would have been, that's, that's not good. But in this hour, we don't even miss a beat. We just go right on. Oh, okay, well, he's gay. Well, so, so do you see what's going on here? And do you know what the devil really has been doing in this nation? And this is how he operates. He operates through a process of what's called desensitization. Look at what I just said. About 20 years ago, 25 years ago, if that anchor would have come out and said, he's, I'm gay, what would have happened? I mean, we had been up in arms and people would have been appalled by that. Is that right? And now we just go right on. It's kind of like driving in a car. Have you ever been driving in a car and you kind of turn the radio up a little bit and a little bit and a little bit, you know, and then you stop and go into Quick Trip and get a Diet Coke, you know? And what happens in Quick Trip stays in Quick Trip, right? That's a little joke between her and me because I don't want her to tell my wife if, because she works at Quick Trip, I don't want her to tell my wife if I buy some Chex Mix or something, you know. But how many of you have ever gone in to get a soda or whatever and you come back out, you turn the car on and it just about blasts you out the, how many has ever done that besides me? What was happening, it was a process of desensitization, and the thing got so loud, but it happened over a course of, 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 of minutes or, or an hour as you're driving, and a little more and a little more, and you don't realize it until you get away from it, and then you come back, and it just blows you out of the car. You've been desensitized. This nation has been desensitized. The church has been desensitized. Did you hear me? Little by little by little. And uh, we could go on and on and on, but sexual immorality, idolatry. Now notice verse 21, and watch this. I gave her, this is chapter 2, verse 21. I gave her time to what? To repent of her sexual immorality. Will, will, will he give us time? to? Re- isn't he wonderful? Isn't God wonderful? He gives us time. How many of you know he doesn't want to judge America? How many of you know he doesn't want to judge us? How many of you know God is not an angry old ogre up there with a stick just wanting to beat us over there? How many of you know he's not that way at all? How many of you know he gives you, he gives us time to repent? He's a good God. He's merciful. But he is a God of judgment. If we don't repent, eventually the hammer falls. Eventually... Judgment comes. He said, I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. She did not repent. Indeed, I'll cast her into a 
sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they what? He's looking for that repentance, isn't he? And then verse 23, I'll kill her children with death. That does not mean her little babies now. That's talking about the fo- her followers, those who follow her. Not talking about little babies now. I'll kill her followers with death. And all the churches shall know that I am he who searches uh, the minds and the hearts. And I'll give each one of you according to your works. Now that's judgment, isn't it? You don't ever want to forget that God is a God of love, but he is also a God of judgment. And he'll give you time to repent, but if you don't repent, eventually he has to deal with you. Now look at Revelation chapter 3. I think there's just two more of these. Look at this. Chapter 3, verse 1. And to the angel of the church of Sardis write. See, Jesus is telling John to write to these churches. He says, these things says he who has the seven spirits of God. Now, this is important here. The seven spirits of God. Now, there, there's not seven Holy Spirits. There's one Holy Spirit, but he has a sevenfold ministry. And when he talks about the seven spirits of God here, he's talking about the complete and total ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then he talks about the seven stars. I won't get into that, but it notice this. He says, and I know your works, that you have a name that you are alive, but you're what? He says, be watchful and strengthen the things which remain that are ready to die, for I have not found your works perfect before God. Remember, therefore, how you have received and heard, hold fast, and, and what is he telling them to do? To repent. Repent of what? Well, notice here, they have a name that they're alive, but they're dead. That's hypocrisy, isn't it? Hypocrisy. Saying one thing, doing another. Having a name that you're alive, but you're really dead. Probably the number one reason, if you ask a sinner to come to church with you, they'll say, I don't want to go over to church. Why not? Because they're all... I actually know people today who once loved the Lord and cried in the presence of God and was touched by the presence of God who don't serve God anymore. Because... They got tired. I'm talking about they were young at the time and they grew up watching church people come to church and sing hallelujah to the lamb and then go out and cuss and act like a heathen at Walmart. Well, if we're hypocritical, do we need to give up and quit? No, we need to what? Repent. And then he talks about a deadness in this church. A deadness in this church. And what does he mean by that? Well, I personally think when he talks about the seven spirits of God, he's talking about the complete ministry of the Holy Spirit. And perhaps this church, perhaps this church once allowed the Holy Spirit to flow within the church. But perhaps this church, because this is the only one of the seven churches where he talks about the, the, the seven spirits of God where he talks about the complete ministry of the Holy Spirit. Perhaps this church got to a point where they didn't allow the Holy Spirit to move in their midst anymore. And I tell you what, if you don't allow the Holy Spirit to move in your midst, eventually you're going to become dead. And you get deader and deader and deader until it's dead as a doornail. Uh, can you say amen? I'm glad the Holy Spirit still moves in our midst. Just about two weeks ago, we released the power of God. Remember that? Healing power of God. We released the power of God right at the end of the service. And then Diane got a, uh, my wife got a text uh, the next day or two. What was it? Some, some, somebody's foot. What was it? Was it broken or sprained or something? And they, they, they testify that it healed instantly when we pray. Can you say amen? I can't heal anybody. I'm talking about having the presence of God move in our midst. We must allow the Holy Spirit to move in our midst. We must allow, uh, you know, in line with the scripture, if there's tongues and interpretation, we need to let the Holy Spirit move in our midst. If there's a word of prophecy, we need to let the Holy Spirit move in our midst. Can you say amen? The healing power of God, we must let the Holy Spirit move with the healing power of God in our midst, you see. 
We must let him run the services. We must allow him to, to move in our midst. The only, thing I, the only thing I'm against is just a bunch of crazy, hilarious, fleshly stuff. We shouldn't allow that to go on. But we need to let the Holy Ghost move in our midst. Amen? I'm glad he's still moving in our midst. You know? We could go on and on and on. Let's close here. Or begin to close here in Revelation 3. Begin to close. That means I'm fixing to quit. Revelation 3.15. I know your works. That you're neither hot or cold. Or cold nor hot. I wish you were cold or hot. So then because you're lukewarm, neither cold or hot, I'll vomit you out of my mouth. Isn't that something? I don't want to make Jesus sick at his stomach, do you? Now, I know Jesus isn't going to get sick, but you understand what the point he's trying to make here. Because you say, I'm rich, I've become wealthy, have need of nothing, and you don't know that you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. Neither cold nor hot, lukewarm. This is the last church mentioned. Some Bible teachers teach that because it's the last church mentioned, that perhaps it's a sign that, that, that the last church that's on earth before the rapture of the church is, has the characteristics of this church at Laodicea and could well be. You see that in the land today, churches that are neither hot nor cold won't take a stand on anything. Remember, if you won't stand for something, you'll fall for anything. Is that right? We need to take a stand on issues. We need to take a stand on things. I believe I'm going to talk more about this in in the weeks ahead. I think there's a National Pulpit Freedom Day or something coming up. I'm going to have a good deal to say on that because I tell you what, we need to speak the word of God. We need to speak the oracles of God. I'm not going to let the president, the vice president, the Congress or the Senate tell me what I can or cannot preach from this pulpit. I'm going to teach the word of God. And by golly, if they put me in jail, then I'll teach the word of God in prison. Bless God. You know what? I'm not taking that back. And it's going out on the internet. Did you hear me? We ought to obey God rather than men. We cannot let the president or anybody else tell us what we can or cannot preach from this pulpit. Well, take your IRS standing away. Let them have it. I'm teaching the word of God. Did you hear me? We need men of God that will stand in this nation not afraid of man or beast. Can you say Amen. Now, we ought to respect the government. We ought to be, you know, honor, give honor to whom honor is due. But, but, but I'm going to stand here and say that sin is sin. I'm going to stand here and say that this book condemns homosexuality. I'm going to say that this book condemns abortion. I'm going to say that this book condemns. That's what I'm going to teach. That's what I'm going to preach. Did you hear me? It's very simple. We teach the Word of God. We preach the Word of God. We take a stand on things. We love people. We walk in love. But we take a stand on things. We're not here to beat sinners up. We're here to lead them to Jesus Christ and get them saved. Amen. And love them, you see. But we must not allow this government to take over our freedom of speech. Did you hear me? I'm not talking about getting up in the pulpit and slandering somebody. I'm not talking, I'm talking about they're not going to tell me that I can't stand in, in this pulpit and teach the Word of God. I'm kind of getting to my sermon a few weeks down the road. Are you stirred up with me? Stay stirred up with me. Be stirred up with me. Pray for me during the week. Pray that I'll come and preach as the oracles of God. Pray that I'll come and be a flame of fire, not a pablum-pushing pulpiteer. Amen? Amen. You need to pray that I make religious spirits nervous. Amen? You ought to, ought to pray that when I preach in here, the power of God gets so strong that the healing power of God sweeps through and heals people. Did you hear me? Glory to God. I'm stirred up right now. Lukewarm. Neither hot nor cold. Neither hot nor cold. 
Korohose mongarate man, tarahedo karohose karatema yekoroste te kemange este. I speak to this congregation, say it the Spirit of the Lord. And don't just come to be a spectator, but come and be stirred up and pray during the week and pray that the pulpit will be on fire. And then when the pulpit is on fire, flow with that fire. Flow with that fire. Flow with that fire. And as you flow with, don't be embarrassed by that fire, but flow with that fire. And as that fire flows it'll get hotter and it'll get hotter and it'll get hotter and and sinners that be present will be drawn to the to the saving power of the lord jesus christ and let that fire get so hot that it burns off you what needs to be burned off and make you pure and make you holy before me and then you'll stand and you'll rejoice and you'll be glad that you yielded to the fire of the holy ghost now that's what the spirit of god just said there in tongues and i interpret it now raise your hands and give him proper glory and honor for that thank Thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. They were lukewarm. They were neither hot nor cold. They wouldn't take a stand on anything. Wouldn't take a stand on anything. We need some men of God that will take a stand on some things. I know about you, but I like John Hagee. I like when he gets in that pulpit, looks at that television camera, and he takes a stand on some things. Amen. Glory to God. Do you agree with him on everything? No, he probably don't agree with me on everything, but I'm glad he's got some backbone. Glory to God. Amen. I agree with him on most things. But come. Come and be, be ready to flow with the fire of God. Did you hear me? Did you hear me? I'll get to that in a minute. Uh, as I, now, now look at this. I am rich. I become wealthy and have need of nothing. I tell you what, that's dangerous when you get to that spot. Is that right? I'm rich, wealthy, need of nothing. How many of you know that, the, that there's, how many, how many of you know, how many of you know that the prosperity message has, has been, has been overemphasized in this land? How many of you know it has? How many of you know it's better to have, be rich than poor? Is that right? How many of you know if you want to help people, you gotta have money? Is that right? But we shouldn't be talking about money all the time. Is that right? I said, is that right? How many of you remember that day? I don't want to talk about this, but this is what the Lord wants me to. How many of you remember that day that, that the prophet's anointing fell on me just for a few moments and I said that there's those that now stand at the forefront of the prosperity message that they'll be diminished. How many of you remember that? How many of you remember that? And within just weeks, there was an unprecedented Senate relief uh, uh, investigation that went out. Is that right? Now, there was one or two in there, one at least in there is a good ministry, but the other, other ones I won't say anything, I, I can't really say anything too good about, but I'll say this, they've diminished in one way or another, haven't they? I said, haven't they? I said, haven't they? And they need to, because you see, we need to have the prosperity message, but it needs to be preached in line with the Word of God. How many of you know there's weightier things than money? Is that right? Amen. Praise God. Somebody say amen. I'm rich. I have become wealthy in need of nothing. He says, hey, don't you know you're wretched, poor, miserable, blind, and naked? Verse 19, notice, you say, well, these people are just wretches. They're just horrible people. God doesn't love them. Look at verse 19. He says, as many as I, I what? As many as I, I rebuke and chasten. Did he love these people? These people were saved as far as I can tell. They just got lukewarm and they got off track. He said, I love you because I love you. I'm going to rebuke you and chasten you. Remember what the Bible says? If you're without chastening, then you're illegitimate, not true sons. Is that right? So he loves these people. These are saved people. They just got off track. He loves them. He rebuked them. He chased them. He said, be zealous and what? Be zealous and what? Repent. Glory to God. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter to the church in Corinth, and he said, I made you sorry with my letter. He says, now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry. See, Paul said some rough things to the church in Corinth, and he wasn't rejoicing because he made him sorry. But he said, I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that your sorrow led to repentance. 
like standing up here and being bold at times and stepping on your toe. I don't like that. But it's a blessing to me if I'll see that somebody needed to repent, and they did. For godly sorrow produces repentance leading to salvation, but the sorrow of the world produces death. Did you know that I've seen so many people, and I've done this myself, I've had the sorrow of the world. You know what the sorrow of the world is? It's the same kind of sorrow that Judas had. Remember Judas who betrayed Jesus? How many remember him? And the Bible says that he had little more than a selfish dread of the consequences. He didn't really repent. Did you know something about Judas? If he'd have got the chance to betray Jesus again, he'd have done it. Yeah, but he went and he threw the 30 pieces of silver back in the temple. Now, he'd have done it again. Why? Because he didn't really repent. I find when people repent, you know what I find when people repent? It's like John the Baptist said. He said, he said bring forth fruits that is consistent with repentance. Let your lives prove your change of heart. Did you, did you hear that? Let your lives prove your change of heart. Let your lives prove your change of heart. Let your lives prove your change of heart. See, I believe if Peter, how many know Peter, he denied Jesus three times, didn't he? But then he repented. I don't think that if he'd have got the chance to deny him a fourth time, I don't think he did not denied him a fourth time. Why? Because he repented. But Judas didn't repent. He was remorseful. I believe he would have, he, he would have done it. He'd have messed up again. Dear friends, if we repent, that means we've turned away from that sin and we're not going to do it anymore. Did you hear me? How many of you remember the prodigal son? Does anybody remember the prodigal son? He was in the pig pen. Was he not in the pig pen? And, and, and he got to the point where the Bible said he came to his senses. He's a beautiful picture of repentance. He came to his senses. The Bible says if we judge ourselves, we'd not be judged. This young man, he's in the pig pen, and he came to his senses. And he said, I'll rise and go to my father. What did he do? He repented. He made a U-turn. Realize, say U-turn. He made a U-turn. Did you know when he made that U-turn... He got released from the pig pen, didn't he? How many of you know when he made that U-turn, he got released from the pig pen? How many of you know Jonah, he was in the belly of the fish? How many of you know when he repented, he got released from the fish? Is that right? I perceive by the Spirit of God, there's some people here today, you're bound by some things. You're bound by some things. You're bound by some things. And you've been wanting to get free. You've been wanting to get released. You've been wanting to get free. You've been wanting to get released. You've been bound by some things. I perceive there's some people here, you've been bound by, by even some, 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 some sickness has bound you up and you've sought the Lord and why doesn't the answer come and why isn't the answer come why isn't the answer coming I'm giving you the answer right now there's something in your life that you need to repent of there's something in your life you need to judge yourself in there's something in your life you need to make a U-turn away from and I tell you what when you do that I tell you what just like the prodigal son when he made the U-turn he was released from the pig pen when Jonah made the U-turn he was released from the fish when you make the U-turn I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost when you make yeah, people praying for you isn't going to do any more good I tell you what if prayer would have done it it had been done a long time ago stop praying repent 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 make the U-turn and when you make the U-turn I tell you what the power of God will hit you and set you free glory to God oh praise God amen hallelujah hallelujah Glory to God. And he said, I'll say to my father, Father, I've sinned. Remember what the Bible says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our, our, our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But how many of you know, when you confess your sins, it has to be with what kind of a heart? A heart of repentance. Is that right? And the Father was looking for him. Glory to God. How many of you enjoy a little Holy Ghost preaching? Amen. If you want more of it, you better be praying during the week. And when it, when it, when it, when it, when it starts flowing, you better flow with it. Amen. Glory to God. Isn't Jesus wonderful? Hallelujah. 
Yeah, you make a U-turn in your life. You turn from that which, which is, you know it's not right. Turn from it. And you'll see just how fast the healing power will come. You'll just see, see how fast the, the delivering power will come. You'll just see how fast the answer to that thing you've been praying for all this time. You watch how quick it comes. If you'll repent. Yeah, but I want to keep that thing in my life and I want God to answer me and give me what I want. But I want to keep that thing in my life. No, no. No, 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 no. You're going to have to turn that thing loose. Turn away from it. I tell you what. I tell you what. The instant you do that with the right heart, you turn away. I tell you what. God will start. I mean, when this young man turned out of that pig pen, just think about it. When he turned away from that pig pen, guess who, who, he, who he found looking for him? His daddy. When you turn from that, you'll find Father God just waiting on you to put a ring on your finger and a robe on your back, kill the fatted calf, and bless, throw a party and bless you. Can you say Amen. Yeah, but pastor, it's too late. It's too late to repent. I've sinned too much. Listen to what God said through the prophet Joel. He said, turn to me now with all your heart. Even at this late hour, while there's still time to repent, come with fasting, weeping, mourning until every hindrance is removed and the broken fellowship is restored. Is it ever too late to repent? Not while your spirit's inside your body. Is there hope for America? I believe there's hope for America. But it has to begin with you. It has to begin with me. It has to begin with us repenting right here where we are. It's not too late. It's not too late for you. It's not too late for me. If we'll put that sin away. If we'll put that away. Repent. What are you talking about, Pastor? You talked about homosexuality. You talked about, you talked about abortion. I haven't done any of that. Yeah, but I wonder if there's any gossip. I wonder if there's any pride. I wonder if there's any rebellion. What the Lord wanted me to mention just a moment ago, and I, I just, I want to get it in right here. I don't even know because I was looking this way. I don't have a clue. But a while ago, when Pastor Diane, let's see if there's any rebellion in your life that needs to be repented of. When she said a moment ago, let's everybody clap our hands. And if you stood there like that, guess what? There's some, I know this is hard, but there's some rebellion in you that you need to judge yourself and deal with if you refuse. When she says, let's everybody clap our hands. She's an authority. She says, let's everybody clap our hands. If you stand there like that and you refuse to do it, I'm telling you, there's some rebellion somewhere in your life that you need to judge yourself. Oh, it gets real quiet. It gets real quiet. I wonder if there's some rebellion in, a, in any of us here today. Hmm. Hmm. I wonder if your boss has asked you to do something at work that's totally legal, totally in line with what you're supposed to do, but you've had a hmm. It's time to judge that kind of attitude and put it away. I wonder if maybe you've been with somebody in this last week where there's been some... It's time to judge yourself. Put that away. Perhaps it's in the area of you've known to do good and you haven't done it. Maybe there's some things that you know you're supposed to do and you just haven't done it. The Bible says for him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it is sin. Seeing myself, I didn't want to come here today and preach this kind of message. I wanted a hip, hip, hurrah one. This is what the Holy Ghost ordered for today. Because he knew that there would be some people here that were bound by some things. And he wants you to get set free. And a hip, hip, hurrah message isn't going to get you set free. It's repentance. It's repentance. It's repentance. It's a turning from. I perceive there's somebody here that when I said that, you just said, yeah, so-and-so needs to repent of such-and-such. And dear sister, I'm telling you by the Holy Ghost that God's talking to you. You need to repent of that judgmentalism and judge yourself. Whew. Oh, it gets real quiet. Judge yourself. 
Quit looking at the other guy. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Quit looking at the other guy. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. Oh my God, I want, I want power in this church. I want power in this nation. It's only going to come as Christians come with weeping and mourning before Almighty God. And they seek the face of God with a repentant heart. Oh, glory to God. It's supposed to be quiet at a time like this. People judging themselves. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Now, just how shall we end this service, Lord? Just how shall we end this service? Just how shall we do it? I can see that's exactly what you want me to do, so that's exactly what we're going to do. Never have, never have closed a service that way. Never have done a communion that way before. Never have. Never have. But that's what we're going to do. We're going to obey you. We're going to obey you. We're going to obey you. We're going to do just exactly what the Holy Ghost told me to do. In years gone by, every time we've received communion, we've done it. Pass out the juice, pass out the bread. I say a few things, we receive it, and then we're either gone with the service or we're dismissed. But today, God wants me to leave you with the bread and the juice. He wants me to leave you with the bread and the juice. So if the ushers would right now begin to pass out the bread and the juice, go ahead and pass it out. You'll have to look up. I ask you to bow your heads, but you'll have to look up. You'll have to keep your eyes open or it's going to spill all over you. So you can look up. Praise God, ushers. Go as quickly as you can, fellas. Bless your hearts. You're doing a great job. And pass the communion out. Hallelujah. Now, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, you need to be sure you get saved before you receive this. So if you don't know whether or not you're saved, don't receive it. Just wait a few minutes. And uh, you'll see what we're going to do here, and then uh, you can come up, and I'll be glad to lead you to the Lord myself. And then we'll, we'll receive communion together, you and me. Hallelujah. However, for the rest of you that are already saved, because I know most of you are, then uh, here's what you do. You take that bread, and you take that juice. You take that bread, and you take that juice. The Bible says if we judge ourselves... We'd not be judged. So with the bread in one hand and the juice in the other, with the bread in one hand and the juice in the other, with the bread in one hand and the juice in the other, right there where you sit, I want you to begin to take a long, hard look at yourself. I want you to take a long, hard look at yourself. I want you to take a long, hard look at yourself. And the Bible says judge yourself. I know this is bold today. I know it is. But th- that's what the Holy Ghost wants today. Bold. And that's what we got. I want you to judge yourself. What is in your life that should not be there? What is in your life that should not be there? What is in your life that should not be there? It's a time. It's a day. And it's an hour To judge yourself. And to put sin away. I perceive there's some people here that have have said, well, yeah, but he gives us space to repent. And I still have some space to repent. I still have some time before the judgment comes. So I'm going to live it up just a little while more and have a little more fun in sin. Before I'm telling you, I'm warning you by the Spirit of God, the time is shorter than you think it is. The time is shorter than you think it is. And God's dealt with you and dealt with you and dealt with you. And you've pushed it off and pushed it off and pushed it off and pushed it off. And the time has come right here today where that space, I'm telling you, that space is about to run out. The space is about to run out. It's about to run out. And God doesn't want to judge you. He doesn't want to do it. But if you don't repent, that, that he's going to have to judge you. So it's a day and it's an hour. It's a time to repent, to judge yourself. Examine yourself, the Bible said. And after you've examined yourself, after you've looked at yourself, you've judged yourself, you've examined yourself, then right there where you sit, you repent of whatever needs to be repented of. You confess with a repentant heart your sins unto the Lord right there where you sit. You get anything between you and him, get it right, get it right. 
And then once you've got it right, once, once, you're, once you've repented, once, you're, once, you're, once your heart is right, then go ahead and partake, just not right now, but just in, in a second. Then at that point, you can partake of the juice, partake of the bread, and you can be dismissed. But here's the thing. Now I'm warning you, this, this cup and this bread, it's a cup of blessing, but it's also a cup of judgment. And the Bible says, for this reason, many are sickly and many die young. And I want to encourage you here, but I want to warn you that if there's something in your life and you're not willing to put it away, then I'd recommend that you just take that juice and take that bread and just set it underneath your uh, chair and then in a few moments just be dismissed. I've never closed a service like I've never done a communion service like this before. But this is what the Holy Ghost told me yesterday in prayer he wanted done. So if there's something in your life that you're not going to judge yourself, you're not going to repent, I'm warning you, don't partake of that bread and that juice. Just set it under your chair and just go your way. We'll see you next Sunday. But I'd recommend that you don't do that. I recommend that you repent. Put sin away. Put it away. It's a midnight hour. Late in the game. Midnight hour. Lord's getting ready to come back. Signs are all around us. So I'm calling this church, I'm calling this pulpit, I'm calling me, this pulpit, to begin with me, to repent. And then to the rest of this congregation, all of us examining ourselves, judging ourselves. And then when we're, we've got it settled up between us and the Lord... Then partake of the bread, take of the juice in either order. And then you can be dismissed. There will be a container at the door for the cups. But now I'm not going to say anymore. But this is a time of prayer. This is a time of consecration, a time of dedication. I'm not going to say anymore after I sit down. Between you and God, you've got the juice in one hand and the bread in the other. It's not between you and me. It's between you and God. So you repent, make adjustments. However long. It might take some of you two minutes. It might take some of you two hours. If you have to sit here two days, we'll, we'll make accommodations. But I recommend don't leave here until it's right between you and the Lord. And then once it is, however long it takes, whether it's two minutes or two days or two hours or 20 minutes or whatever it is, then partake, and then you're dismissed. We love you. I love each and every one of you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. You're a good group, good group of people, but I have to do my job as a, as a minister of the gospel to preach what he tells me to. So may God's richest and best be yours. Judge yourself, and then partake, and we'll see you next Sunday. We love you, and so does God.